Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Today is May 26th, 2021. We have a very special guest with us, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And she's the author of the best-selling book, The 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. I just love that title. (laughs) She's a psychologist, a success coach, and obviously an international bestseller. So why don't you come on to our show, Sharon? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to share a little bit about what the book journey was and how I can share some tips and things that will help the listeners to really um, uncover you know, what the underlying mechanisms are for burnout if they're struggling with that because um, I do find that a lot of times people who experience this feel really stuck, not know kind of how to dig themselves out. Yeah. A lot of times you don't even realize how deep you've gotten <laughs> into it. <laughs> totally. What brought you to this place to write the book? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what I would say is that I have been in the industry um, because, you know, I've been working as a psychologist for the last 19 years. And what I really wanted to do is take a lot of the knowledge through my experience of working with clients for all these years and put it into some sort of a format where people can take some of these lessons away and kind of start to apply them in their life. And so I thought about, well, there's like so many different directions that I could go, but let me be really clear about like who do I want to help and what I can help them with. And what I landed on is I really enjoy working with people who are super high achievers. And then I thought, well, what are some of the things that they struggle with? And one of the things that came, I came across was burnout. And burnout was such an interesting topic. This is pre-epidemic. Um, what I was finding is that we sometimes toss this term around, but so many people actually weren't aware that they were burning out as it was happening and would talk about it only in retrospect or would talk about what was going on in the situation And then I would say, oh, it sounds like you are burning out. And then it kind of hit them. And one of the things that I feel very strongly about is that it's important to understand and have 
language to describe what situation you're in in order to find an appropriate treatment for it. So unless you go to the doctor and say, like, my foot hurts, then I'm not going to look at your foot and give you something to do to help with your foot pain, right? In the same way, when it comes to our mental health, we have to be really clear about what is the struggle, what is happening right now. And one of the things that happens with burnout is too often we look at the reason why we feel the way that we do. So we say, oh, it's my job is too stressful or my manager is a micromanager and, like, that's why I'm feeling this way or it's because I have to commute to my work and there's traffic, right? And we're always kind of looking outside of ourselves to explain away why we feel burned out. And I think so much of the work and one of the things that I really – try to share in the book, not just about it as a concept, but also how to do it, is how to take responsibility back so that we can feel empowered in this process. And that will allow us to feel differently in those same situations. Well, it's pretty fascinating when you you talk about how we often look at external circumstances, because even I have never thought thought of that. I mean, that's a really great observation of yours. Yeah, well, that's um, one of the things that I find people often fall into as a trap where, um, you know, what if that were true and it really was all those things out there, then we really do feel disempowered because there's nothing we can do about the traffic and there's nothing we can do about the demands of our job and there's nothing we can do about the way our manager is and so on and so forth. But when we start to recognize that so much of how we feel is a result of our own mind, then we have the power to change the thinking process and as a result shift our feelings. How do we do it? (laughs) So, this is this is um, what I would say is the crux of emotional intelligence. And also, if anybody's heard of CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, this is essentially what we teach. And the premise is that there is a step in between our circumstances and our feelings. And too often we miss that middle step. This happened, that's why I feel this way, right? My husband and I had a fight, and that's why I feel upset. Or he said something, and that's why I feel irritable. And it's not that clear cut. It's not so direct, because if that were true, we really would be victims of all of our circumstances. So what I like to teach is that there, that middle step is our thoughts, our interpretations, what we're making things mean. So when your husband, let's say, says something to you, what are you making it mean that creates that frustration inside of you, right? And so typically when you slow the process down enough and you're able to identify the thought, then you start to recognize that, hey, my mind is telling me a whole bunch of stories and it's those stories that create the negative emotion, not the circumstance. And we know that because when we change the thought, we also change the feeling. 
So have you ever been in a situation where you and another person were experiencing the exact same thing but had very different feelings about it? Sure. How is that possible? Well, it's possible because we we all interpret things differently and possibly experience things differently. Right. So what that says is that there is a whole menu, a whole range of ways in which we can interpret any circumstance, and it's how we choose to interpret it that directly affects how we feel about it. And so if you and your friend can have different outcomes as a result of the way that you think about the exact same situation, then you too can change how you think about it and that will lead you to feel differently about that situation. So one of the things that I see with burnout is people often say, this job is burning me out and I can't do this anymore and so I need to change jobs. Or I can't do this career anymore and I need to just quit my career and start all over and do something totally different. And I hear this a lot because I work with physicians a lot, so I hear this a lot from them where, like, medicine is burning them out. And oh, I if, bet. <laughs> right? If yeah. really that were the case, right, then a lot of us would be changing careers a lot of the time. But the problem is if they're really – like, one of the things I ask them is if you could continue to do this work and you weren't feeling burned out, would you still want to do it? And the thing is that so many of them actually love what they do. And so they're really feeling heartbroken about having to quit their career because that's the conclusion that they've come to. And what's really more true is that when you change the way that you engage with your circumstances, a.k.a. change your mindset, then you actually don't have to run away from your problems then you actually take the power back and are able to shift how you feel. And you can stay in that same situation without feeling all of the stress, the overwhelm, the anxiety, and the burnout. So that's how long does it take? How long does that take to do that? It could be instant, right? So I don't know if you have something that you want to use as an example, but like is there a situation right now that you want to share that, you are unhappy about or frustrated by? Uh, not really. <laughs> okay, but like, I, I mean, I can, pretty, I can share good. with you, yeah, I mean, I can share with you, like, for example, example. I, I have a lot of, yeah, I have, I have a lot of clients who feel frustrated in their relationships, right? That's pretty common. Okay. And usually it's because um, they, they'll say, oh, it's because, you know, my husband did this or my my girlfriend did that. Um, and I say to them, you know, if you are feeling frustrated, it is because you have a statement in your mind that told you that they should do it differently, but they're not. And so okay. when you think things should be done differently and they're not being done the way you think they should be, then how else do you expect to feel but frustrated? Right? And so notice that it's not what they're doing that is the frustrating thing. 
It's what you tell yourself about what they're doing that is causing the frustration. So if you were to change your thought about what they're doing, then you automatically stop feeling frustrated. So if instead of saying to yourself, well, you know, my husband really should, you know, do the dishes more or uh, he shouldn't call me when I'm in the middle of something or whatever the case may be. Um, If you say to yourself, and, and I think part of emotional intelligence is noticing our own processes and kind of stepping in so that's where emotional management happens. But the other piece of it is really like having empathy and understanding where other people are coming from because our default is to make everything about us where we feel like everything, not always like in a good way, right? Like we personalize everything. We make everything mean something about us. Like, oh, this is happening because I'm not good enough. Or this is happening because, you know, I suck, you know. <laughs> we always we always come back to that, right? And so oh and so if you could take yourself out of the equation and you can start to ask yourself, Well, why is my husband not doing the dishes? Like what else might be going on? What is it from his perspective? Like if I try to understand the other side, then uh-huh. all of a sudden it expands my view. And I start to think about it differently. I can see like, oh, he's not doing the dishes because you know, he's putting the kids to sleep or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm just making this up, right? But sure, you, you want to be able to slow the process down and ask yourself some questions that allow you to expand your view of your situation and to allow you to have different perspectives. And you can ask yourself, well, how else can I look at the situation? That's one question you can ask yourself. Another question, which I think is actually really powerful, is to ask yourself, well, given the fact that this is happening, how do I want to feel? And then you reverse engineer the process by saying, how do I need to think about it in order to feel this way? Right? So a lot of times my clients are feeling anxious, let's say, and and I'll say, well, how do you want to feel? given the fact that you're in this situation, and they'll say, I just want to feel calm. So then okay. I'll ask them, what do you need to tell yourself about the situation in order to feel calm? And that's where they're able to kind of come up with the answer. So when you ask, like, how long does this process take, it can be instant, right? As long as you take yourself through the process and ask yourself these questions, you can come up with the answer and immediately feel the shift. That said... In order to do this work consistently and more automatically, that takes more time. Because really what we're talking about is adopting a new way of being in the world by managing our thoughts. And oftentimes it's about shifting some of those underlying beliefs as well. So that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients. Oh, that's superb. What would you say to someone well, let's say they, they don't have time for self-care because life gets in the way. I think that's a really big issue for a lot of people. Absolutely. What I would say about that is that I want you to think about time as an intimacy issue. So we all, we all say, like, there's more 
things to do, then there is time, and that if I only had the time, I would spend on self-care, but I don't have enough time, and that's why I'm not doing it. And I would say that you're going about it all wrong, if that's what you're doing. In other words, it's not about more time, because it is what it is, right? We all have 24 hours in a day, but it is about what you do in the time that you have, and it speaks volumes about how much you value your relationships, whether it's your relationship with yourself when it comes to self-care or your relationships with other people. So imagine if you have somebody that you really cared about in your life and you never made time for them and you said, well, there just isn't enough time, right? Like you wouldn't have a relationship. No, it's true. Right? Yeah. So, So what do we do is we find time for all those other things and for all the people and then we leave ourselves to the end. We say, well, we ran out of time. If there's more time, I'd spend it on exercise, but I just don't have time. And the truth of the matter is, if you are putting yourself on the back burner, it speaks volumes about your relationship with yourself. And that means that you need to work on your self-worth in order to value your time more so that you can spend it on yourself. Huh. And too many times people are like, well, let me, let me tell you all the things you need to do to take care of yourself. I think we all know by now what we need to do. We all know we need to exercise and sleep and eat healthy and all the things. We, we don't need more people telling us what self-care is. We just need to <laughs> work true. on our beliefs of that are worth so that we can start uh-huh. spending our time on ourselves. Uh-huh. And that's, that's excellent advice. Just excellent So, you know, a lot of the things that I'm really talking about here in the book are going above and beyond the realm of burnout, right? Just the other day, I had a client reach out to me. I hadn't worked with him in two years, and he just kind of popped in out of the blue, and um, he wanted to have a session. And so we were talking, and he was bringing up how he was having some issues navigating his relationship with his family. So his family has some expectations, some ways that, I mean, whose family doesn't, right? That, like, they want you to do things a certain way, and they were kind of controlling, and they wanted it to be, like, the way it's always traditionally been done. And he's kind of trying to straddle that along with what he wants and what, you know, him and his wife want to do, which is a little bit different. And so I pull out the book, and I literally read out to him this whole passage which speaks about the relationship between um, intimacy and autonomy, kind of on a spectrum, right, where we're talking about how much do you spend in terms of your resources, your time, your energy on trying to connect intimacy. And that's where you see people who are on that end of the spectrum. They maybe sacrifice some of their autonomy in order to have more intimacy. That's your people pleasers. Those are the people that say, I will, um, I will overlook my needs in order to make sure everybody else is happy, right? Uh-huh. That's the intimacy end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is where you start to take more notice of yourself. What do I need? What do I want, right? And you don't want to do it – you don't want to be extreme in either direction because 
if you're too extreme in the people-pleasing direction, then you're really neglecting yourself. And if you're too extreme in the other direction where you're just like, I only focus on myself, then you become like a total narcissist and then people don't want to be with you, right? Right. (laughs) It's that really fine line between the two. And like notice I – I, so I just like brought this up because it was totally relevant to the situation, had nothing to do with burnout, but that's kind of what I was saying to you in the beginning. The reason that I put this book together was to, I just kind of wanted a place to put all of the tools that I've been teaching all the years of, you know, being a therapist into some sort of a systemic place where people can go on a journey of, personal development where they can really see themselves um, building up these skills, learning these tools, applying these mind frames, these mind shifts so that they can start to feel different. And that's true whether you're feeling burned out or whether there's something else going on because we dive into so many aspects of life that are important with regards to your personal development. Right? We talk about not just emotional intelligence, which we covered already, but that whole sense of taking back your power, which is empowerment. You know, and then we go from there into a whole bunch of other things, whether it's you know, how you engage with your work, whether it's how you feel about yourself in terms of your confidence. So many of my clients struggle with imposter syndrome. And so it's like all the stories that we tell ourselves that are very limiting to us. You know, so there's just like a lot in there that you could apply to burnout, but you could also apply to so many other things that are true in your life. Oh. Well, listeners, I encourage you to to get her book, The Seven E Solutions to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary, if you're just tuning in. And uh, we're speaking with Dr. Sharon Grossman. What would you say is the absolute very first step in reversing burnout? I think the very first step, as I said in the beginning, is to just diagnose the problem, right? So having the insight about this is something that I'm going through. And often, as I mentioned, when I'm working with clients, they can tell me all the things they're experiencing, but they don't understand that what they're experiencing is burnout. And so it's hard for them to tackle that. And so if you understand what to look out for, and so I'll actually give like a quick synopsis. So if you are experiencing these symptoms, you can be like, oh, that's me. Okay. That would be the first step. So the very first part of the book is really that whole part about what is burnout what is that stress burnout continuum what leads to burnout what are the symptoms to look out for so I'll give you a quick synopsis of that and the primary symptom that most people experience first and foremost is mental exhaustion so this is very different from physical exhaustion that you might feel if you just ran a marathon and you're just so depleted like all you got to do is like lie on the floor and breathe as you go to sleep, right? Sure. Mental exhaustion is something that we feel when, you know how it is when you're just overwhelmed, where you just can't focus anymore, you're just spent mentally. Uh-huh. That's what, that's what a lot of people experience when they're burned out. So in a sense, 
like burnout is a lot about energy, but it's not it's not just a physical thing. So much of it is mental. And one of the ways you know that is if you notice that when it comes to your work, you're kind of dragging your feet. But then when your friend calls you up and says like, hey, you want to hang out? All of a sudden you have so much more energy. Right? <laughs> sure. That, so that is the clue. <laughs> yeah, because, because when you run that marathon, if I say to you, hey, you want to go, you know, jump in a trampoline park with me, which might be super fun, or you want to go play a game of tennis, you're just like, dude, I, I got nothing, right? Uh-huh. But, when, but with mental exhaustion, it's really just once you shift the focus to something else, all the energy in the world is there. Yeah, so it's really just, it's, Yeah, it's just that kind of mental block of like, when I think about my work, I just can't do this anymore, right? And that's because uh-huh. of some of the frameworks that maybe are coming up, like when you're experiencing these different things at work, what are you making it mean? And the way that you interpret it is causing you to feel the way that you do, which is mentally exhausting. So that's a huge thing to look out for. Now what happens over time, because burnout is basically chronic stress, right? So, you, you know, we can all manage our stress when it's acute, so we're like, oh, you know, I had a stressful day. But overall, every day, the rest of the week is okay, so I'm all right. But if it's like stress and then more stress and then more stress and it's unrelenting, that's where we're building all these layers on top of each other, and then we get to that place of burnout and exhaustion. Over time, then that develops into cynicism. So it really affects our attitude. And from that place, you know, you're just not going to show up in the same way in terms of your mental capacity is already depleted because you're exhausted and you've got this negative attitude on top of it. What we now see is that your performance starts to decline. And then the tricky thing is what we make that mean. So when we start to say like, hey, I used to be able to do this and now I'm not able to, and we make that mean that there's something wrong with me, then we get into trouble because then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, now I can't do it. Right. And then, then we get into this whole tape of I'm broken. I can't, I can't stay here. I have to like reinvent myself. And that's where people are looking to escape by having a total revamp of their life. And what I would encourage people to do is just, again, slow the process down, see it for what it is. And then, see if maybe there are some little tweaks that you can make that make a big difference. And that's essentially what I'm trying to provide the readers with in the book is finding ways to challenge your thinking, finding ways to engage differently with your work so that you start to unbury yourself from this mess, if you will, and really change your experience at work. But, you know, and then burnout is also not just at work. It's like in everything. And we can feel burned out as parents. We can feel burned out on our relationships. So wherever you are that you're experiencing this, the same stuff applies. The trend that, that I, I'm hearing is uh, possibly a shift from, from negativity to being more positive, and achieving positive outcomes. 
Well, I think that's a huge mindset shift that definitely helps. And one of the things that I've actually seen is that people who tend to be more pessimistic are more likely often to burn out, right? Because, and it's just, it's not just pessimism, but like I have a lot of clients who run really high on anxiety and everything is a reason to be anxious. And when you're anxious all the time, it is an incredibly, an incredible energy suck, right? It's just so draining. Um, and so as an example, I was talking to one of my clients recently. She was talking about something that's going on in her job, and she was, like, really anxious about it. And I asked her, what would happen if you weren't anxious about that? It's like, you know, I had my magic wand, and we were able to just make that disappear. What, what would that be like? And she said, I would find something else to be anxious about. Oh, no. And, and that's so true. But it's so true, oh, right? No. Because, yeah, because some people have this underlying belief that if I am not constantly on guard, something bad is going to happen. This world isn't safe, and I need to be on guard all the time. So I have to worry about all the things that could happen. And what we notice when we're anxious all the time because of that belief, then we can't enjoy the moment because we're always in the future and that we're just like exhausted because we're giving so much of our energy away to potential disasters that nine out of 10 times don't ever happen. Yeah, it's true. Right. And so one of the things that I really, what's that? I wonder how that develops in a person. So what are the things that I, post-traumatic stress sort of thing, you know, or what What brings that on? Yeah, well, it could be for some people, right? But ultimately, what it boils down to is even if you've had, like, a traumatic experience, at the, at the end of the day, we all have our underlying beliefs. And so if you're somebody who walks around the planet with the belief that you're not safe, that this is not a world, then you're going to always be on guard and you're always going to worry when things are going well that they're not going to last. And so even when things are going well, you can't enjoy them because then what about when that other shoe drops or what happens if even though you just got the promotion tomorrow, you're going to lose your job or some, you know, hurricane happens and you lose your house or that your husband's going to leave you or, you know, it's like we – fall into that trap because of those limiting beliefs that come from maybe that trauma, like you're saying, or some other early life experience. So it's really important for people to understand what they're doing, but also where it comes from, like you said. So Uh uncovering those beliefs. And then one of the things that I do in my work is like I help people to restructure those beliefs so that we're doing the real deep work because everything works in a cascade that starts from the top and the top is your beliefs. So your beliefs become the filter through which you process information. So everything, all those circumstances that we talked about that are happening right now, you interpret those through your little lens, your little filter, which is your beliefs. Then you're more likely, if you believe that you're not enough to make everything mean that it's because of you, because it's, 
you know, because you're not worthy, because you're not good enough or whatever the case may be, that makes you feel more insecure and then it creates this feeling of imposter syndrome or this need to overcompensate and the people pleasing and all the things. So when you can work from the top and just change the belief, then the entire rest of the recipe just goes away. You don't have to work so hard to stop people pleasing or you don't have to work so hard to overcome the fear and the imposter syndrome and the insecurity. You just start at the top, you work on the belief, and then life is so much easier. Interesting. Really, really interesting. <laughs> Our minds are so complex. It is and it isn't, you know. Um, I really am somebody who tries to simplify concepts for people because the way I like to look at things is everything can be really straightforward if we strip away all of the drama and all the complexities. And if you can understand things simply, then you don't feel so overwhelmed. You just need to focus on whatever it is in front of you. And then you can actually start to feel the momentum of that and, and see like those quick wins and the results. And so it's really just about clarifying things and simplifying things. And that's what I kind of hope to do. And hopefully I've, I've done that in this book. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Where can our listeners get your book? So the book is available on Amazon, um, which is probably where most people shop for books these days. Um, and one of the things that I would absolutely be thrilled with is um, I, I've noticed that, as I mentioned, a lot of times people are unaware that they are experiencing burnout, but what's so evident to us is other people who experience burnout. So we can see it in other people so much easier than they can see it in themselves. And to that end, I really want to encourage people to buy the books for others. And what I've done is I've actually created an incentive program to help kind of spread the word about this. So if your listeners go to the the page for the book, which is this um, 7esolution.com. Um, it spells out like all the things about this incentive program. So if you buy three or more copies, I will gift you coaching um, on a monthly basis via videos. And I've created on a number of different topics that I think a lot of people struggle with everything from confidence to focus, you know, there's so many topics, all the, all the information is on that page. So um, I think it's kind of a win-win that way where you get the coaching as a gift and they get the resources of the book and it creates connection between you and them. And um, I'm hoping that this way more people hear about it and get what they need. So repeat where they can go to find this again. Is it 7esolutions.com or? Yeah, it's 7esolutions, so singular, .com. And okay. that's the number seven, the letter E as an elephant, and then solution.com. And uh, all the things are there. And then it's also, um, I've also mentioned it in the books, so if you grab a copy 
and um, and you look inside, it will give you all the information that you need, including like what you can get in terms of that uh, free coaching uh, program. Um, and so I, I really hope that people take that on and help each other because burnout is I, one of those I things too. where a lot of times. Sorry. No, I I hope so too. Yeah, because I think like oftentimes when people are experiencing this, they feel very alone in their experience and they are ashamed. There's a lot of shame with burnout. Like I'm doing it wrong, something wrong with me. I don't want anybody to find out. And we feel like we have to struggle alone. And I really want to um, make sure that this doesn't happen because this is really a problem when it comes to mental health in general. If we have a stigma around it, if we um, make it something that's shameful, then we end up suffering alone, and we really don't need to do that. It's it's very unhelpful. I think that's when we need support the most. And so um, if, you, if you know anybody, if you're listening to this, and you know somebody who's struggling, get them a copy. So that Absolutely. They can, you Absolutely. Know, have some resources. And then they'll know that you care and that you're there for them, that you see them. And ultimately, that's what we all want at the end of the day. We just want to feel seen. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Sharon Grossman. It's been um, quite enlightening, this interview. <laughs> I, I have learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have too. So please, everyone, pick up that book, The 70 Solutions to Burnout. And... Um, I wish you the best, and thank you so much for for all your uh, expertise, your hints, and your wonderful book. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to talk about this because I know that there are people out there, especially now, that are struggling and they need this. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. Excellent interview. Please tune again next Wednesday. We'll have another great guest and another wonderful session of learning. We all love to learn. Until then, please be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, God Cancer, Now What? <laughs>